Welcome to another episode of What the Tech, brought to you by ProServe This month, we've been diving deep into the world of data and analytics. And if you've been following along, you're in for a treat. We're now on the third episode of this illuminating series, Spotlight on Azure Data Factory. Today, we'll demystify the ETL and ELT processes, discuss the significant differences, and underscore the game-changing role of cloud technologies in making these processes more efficient and scalable. You'll also gain insights into the complexity, costs, and future trends of ETL versus ELT. So, if you've ever wondered how Azure Data Factory fits into this landscape and how cloud technologies are revolutionizing the way we manage data, let's dive in. We're going to be looking at the modern ELT process, the agenda, real high level. We're going to just do a little groundwork where, why are we processing data for data warehousing? If you've attended last sessions, that's where we went through dimensional modeling and what that does for why we go through dimensional modeling for data warehousing. And the output of that dimensional modeling is typically the details around how you need to process data from the source to a target data model. And this here, the ETL slash ELT side of things is the actual processing of the data. That's we're going to set some groundwork here around why do we process data. Then we're going to jump into, hey, here's the primary methods of processing data. We're going to have a comparison of ETL and ELT. So we're, which one is best for which scenario and what are the benefits and drawbacks of each. Then we'll dive into stuff that if you've joined some of these presentations before, you've already seen the data maturity matrix, but we'll jump through it real quick. And then what our customer journey looks like, and I'll move through that stuff at pace. Why do we process data for business intelligence? So the main points, so we want to clean and standardize the data. Data is coming from a lot of different sources in many situations. It might have errors, it might have cases, it might have inaccurate data. We really want to standardize it, put it into a format that allows us to do data quality checks and make sure that the data is actually relevant to what we want to analyze. Similar to that, again, we're integrating data from multiple sources. Because you're integrating data from multiple sources, you want to be able to process that data before just dumping it somewhere. The next, creating a data model that supports the business requirements. That's what we talked about in the prior semester around dimensional modeling, where we take, hey, here's the business process we want to analyze, and how do we then use data to analyze that business process? Improving performance. And there's two things here for improving performance. One is you're minimizing query load on your source system. So we've had, we've talked with clients before that are doing all of their reportings out of their ERP system, right off of the database of their ERP system. And we're saying, Hey, we've got a couple heavy reports that take 24 or 36 hours to run. And while we're running them of our team is complaining about how slow the ERP is. And that's because they have that ERP database doing a lot of complex joins and analysis database wasn't really meant for. So it's going to minimize load on your data, uh, on your source systems. And then if you're processing the data properly and preparing it for querying, 
you can actually speed up the report generation. The client that we had that had 24 hour report generation, we've taken that, moved it into a really high performance analytics system, Azure Synapse. And now those reports are generating in under 15 minutes. The exact same report that took 24 hours before is now being built in, is now generating on demand in 15 minutes and they can run about 30 of those reports at the same time. Whereas before they could only run one, but we've increased concurrency as well as performance by taking this into an analytic system that built for read speed instead of write speed, which is what a lot of source systems are for. And then finally preparing the data for the analysis, very similar to creating the data model and preparing the data for that analysis. So first we're going to look at ETL stands for extract, transform, load. So ETL has been around for a long time, at least 30, probably 40 years now. Again, it stands for extract, transform, load. And what it's doing is you're extracting data from your source system. You're transforming that data and then you're loading it into the data warehouse after as, as fully transformed, clean modeled data. So that's the ETL process. And we're going to jump to the ELT process, which sounds very similar, extract, load, transform, but there's some key differences and we'll get into those. The term ELT, it's a more recent term. And what the cause of this is that we started to have data warehousing systems that could process data very powerfully. So in database processing capabilities, systems like Snowflake, like Azure SQL, like Synapse. Amazon Redshift, these systems make processing data, large amounts of data, very fast. And again, you're already using these systems for data warehousing. So doing that transformation within those systems means you have one left tool to work with as well, instead of needing to have specialized ELT tool that sits outside of your data warehouse. So in ELT. Your data is extracted from the source system, loaded directly to the data warehouse as is, but you're essentially taking a copy from your source system, dropping it into what people would typically call a staging table in the data warehouse, and then executing your transformation, whether that's done through a stored procedure or whether that's done through other systems that allow you to transform it, that's where that's happening. I think we've talked about in some of these sessions before we've talked about the data lake house, which is a data lake plus a data warehouse merged together. And that is also using this ELT system where you're taking it from your source system, landing it into the lake house in its raw form, then doing your transformation to move it from that raw form in what they would call the bronze table to the silver and the gold tables all within the same processing system. And finally, ELT been faster and more flexible than ETL because these modern data systems are designed to handle large scale data transformations. T. I dive into the comparison to, to, and hopefully this highlights why ELT has become the more popular way of handling data transformation and if you look at 
everything Microsoft or Amazon or Google are doing in this space, it's all based on ELT now. People still use the term ETL because it's widely known, but even though they say ETL, typically they're talking about ELT. From an ETL perspective, we, again, we have the features on the left side, and then we've got the comparison here. So for, for, for data latency, that ETL can take a long time to run as you're doing the processing in the middle. By the time the data is loaded, it might already be outdated. ELT can be faster because the data is loaded directly to the data warehouse and transformed there. And you can even use that raw data in some analysis if you need real-time or much faster data access. A bit outside of what we're talking about here, but another trend I've seen more and more, especially with medium and large companies, is that there are analysts in these companies that don't just want the clean data. And one problem with ETL is you're doing the transformation in a black box, sending that to the data warehouse, and then providing your analysts access to that cleaned in model data. And what we've been finding more and more recently is that there are analysts come to us for these large companies and saying, Hey, I need the raw data because I need to see, I need to check for some patterns you're cleaning out of the system. And so then it's okay, let's get the raw data available. Now, if you go ELT route, the raw data is going to be available already on a staging table or a bronze table. So your analysts can then use that raw in their own machine learning models, right? Or they can help process it for reporting purposes. Flexibility. So ETL, it's not as flexible because any change to the transformation you're doing in a different system requires significant effort. And then you're going to have to modify potentially the data warehouse as well, because now it's re potentially loading different data types, different structure of the data. Um, in ELT, it's a bit more flexible. Now there's still going to be some work involved when you want to make changes to the transformations, but typically because all of that's happening in a single system, it's a bit faster and easier to work with. Scalability. Again, the ETL systems, a lot of the times you're doing that transformation work in its own server that's doing your transform, whether that's using IS or our center from Informatica, like you need that machine that's doing those transformations outside of the data warehouse. And now if you need more processing power, you're scaling up that. If you need more storage, you're scaling up your data warehouse with with these modern systems, what you find is something like an Azure Synapse, you can scale up or you can scale out. So you can tell Azure Synapse, hey, I don't just want more processing power. I want you to spin up 60 of these nodes and actually partition my data in this way. So it splits that data out. And now I'm processing across 60 different computers and all of that complexity of being able to do that is handled by Synapse or Redshift or Snowflake instead of you having to worry about, okay, how do I scale this virtual machine that's running SIS or Power Center to do that? Data quality. Now here's one spot where ETL is typically a little bit better. 
because you're transforming it into a comic format before you're doing the low, you can apply some quality checks here as well as down the path. And some of that actually becomes a little bit easier in some cases. In the ELT, you probably need to layer on some data quality checks in the data warehouse. There are tool sets out there now, something like uh, great expectations that allow you to build out data quality rule checks, which is pretty interesting. And now layering that into the data warehouse level, both at the raw data and at the model data. The complexity of ETL uh, to design it and implement it, especially with very different data sources can be tricky and designing it in those systems, doing all the transformation in there is often a little more tricky than in the ETL scenario, because all the data is sitting there in larger staging tables, you have all the processing power. And then if you're looking at that lake house architecture, now you've opened up your your toolkit to say, Hey, if I want to do this processing in SQL, I can, if I want to do it in Python, I can, and you can start playing more towards where your team's skill set. The cost of ETL versus ELT, again, because you're using specialized tools and additional transformation machines, it's typically more expensive than having a data warehouse that just does everything for you. And again, from a maintenance perspective, it's much easier to just have a single data warehouse that's doing your transformation steps for you there. I know we just went through a whole lot of information to round it out, just to give our recommendation is you should always be looking at the ETL process. Like we said, in some of our prior things, you should always be looking at how do I do this in the cloud? Because the amount of data growth that is being experienced now and going into the future is going to be exponential. I think they're talk. I think a lot of the gardeners and foresters of the world are predicting companies, even small companies are going to be seeing 35%, 35 to 60% data growth year over year. So that's compounded data growth. So you're going to start seeing if you're not already, and a lot of companies are already, but if you're not in the next few years, you're going to be seeing to use a Canadian analogy, that hockey stick ramp up of data growth and, and trying to scope out on-premises or even virtual machines to handle that is going to be tricky. Whereas putting all of this into a synapse or a redshift means that you don't need to worry about the amount of data that you're going to be dealing with. You can scale up to petabytes and you can start very small at gigabytes if you need to. I've put together a little list of ETL tools out there, not in any specific order other than a data factory at the beginning, because that is the tool that we're going to be using in the next lesson where we actually build out a data pipeline in a system. So walking you through, Hey, here's how we're extracting it from a source system. Here's how we're loading it into the target system. And here's how we're going to trigger a transformation on data to model it for reporting purposes. I would really focus on what's available in the cloud and just to know. Yeah, I would say just keep an eye on what's in the cloud. I know Informatica has a new product that is fully cloud-based. And I think a lot of these companies here, especially the commercial licensing ones, they're all going to be moving their products to the cloud as rapidly as possible if they're not already there.
with probably the exception of CIS, which is just being replaced in the cloud by Azure Data Factory now. The other thing to note is that you're going to start, you're, I've already seen a lot of vendors packaging up something like Apache NiFi, which is a fully open source system, taking that, packaging it, and using it in their cloud-based solution. So vendors like Starburst, was the other one, Cloudera, have these very wide data platforms that do a whole bunch of stuff and they're piecing together all these open source systems to, to do that while supporting it and everything. So again, some of these say on-prem or cloud versus cloud. Some of that is, depends on the vendor you're going through for this stuff. That's all I've got for today. And that wraps up our third episode on data and analytics. Today, we journeyed through the intricate world of ETL and ELT, highlighted the flexibility of cloud technologies, and got a taste of the tools that make it all possible. We hope the insights shared have shed light on the immense potential of leveraging the cloud for your data processes. Now gear up for our next episode. We're taking a step back to give you a comprehensive recap of the three classes we've covered so far in our data and analytics series. We'll be revisiting dimensional modeling and the star schema, data warehousing architecture patterns, and of course, our deep dive into Azure Data Factory. So whether you're a newbie or you need just a quick refresher, it's an episode you won't want to miss. Until then, keep diving deep into tech and stay curious. See you in the next episode of What the Tech.